0: The Irish Rally Podcast is brought to you in association with Tech & Tools, PFT Travel, SVS Productions, Rally Connection, Lines of Limerick and Hierophant. fantastic it's an unknown journey today because we don't really know what we're going to talk about
1: (laughs) i would have an idea of where i would like to go but at the same time andrew you're well known for being a character so god knows what we'll end up talking about
0: hopefully it'll be interesting for everyone
1: (laughs) (laughs) i can imagine it's going to be very interesting um andrew the way i always start these podcast episodes is by asking about people's early days you know the beginning of uh, life for Andrew, or what Andrew was like as a kid, or the things you were into, or what your childhood was like, essentially. Well, you tell us a wee bit about that.
0: That's taken me back a long way, isn't it? Uh, we
1: have gone back a few years anyway, actually. Well,
0: I suppose if I go back to the start, I remember going to Darkley Primary School, which is just outside Keedy, mm-hmm. and I remember going there the first day to school. I was just a little bit over four years old. And that was really the start of my memory of growing up and living in the village of Darkly. And I remember watching people coming to a guy's house to get their rally cars fixed. It was like I called Eric Nesbitt at the time. And he took me to my first rally when I was like nine years old. Okay. But in between being six and nine, I remember my dad uh, one day up at the farm in Tullygear, beside McCallum's Grove, we, we got stuck in the snow. Right. And my father says to me, Andrew, you get in there and drive the car. I said I can't drive, Dad. I'm only six. I can't drive. He says you have to learn sometime. Well, little did I know I was going to learn to drive the car that day. So we got the car into first gear, and he uh, opened the boot and stood in the boot started bouncing around and That was my first memory of driving a car and We with the snow then I went down the lane sideways It was hilarious, and he was shouting at me to stop so I didn't even know how to <laughs> didn't know get, it get, get it the part. car clutched yeah. it was, it was hilarious, but that was my first memory of driving and then you know after that I really started getting a love for sport and speed and it came out of nowhere. And then at nine years old, I remember my neighbor, Jimmy McKee, coming over to my dad to get the loan of a van to go and get animals to the Mart in Newton Hamilton. Uh And he says, sure, the young fella will drive you. And Jimmy says, sure, he can't drive. Oh, he can drive, surely. He drives, you go with him and he will drive the van in. So I drive the van, I takes the van into Newton Hamilton Mart with the livestock and the boot back of the, the van and we offloaded the the animals and jimmy says andrew you go and park the van now son you know nine years old so i parked i went to park the van and there was a space right outside the church of ireland church in newtown hamilton lovely space so i reversed into the space and lo and behold before i knew it this policeman came over and arrested me. What did you say you were I was nine. (laughs) I was was nine years old. So that was me arrested for the first time. And I'm going, oh, I'm sorry. I was only parking the van. Who owns this van? I said, my father owns the van. Go and get your father. I couldn't get my father because he was at home. I had driven the van into the, into the mart. So it was very funny in a sense. Because the space I took that day, there was people coming to get married, and the only reason there was space into the churchyard was to allow them to come in in. with the wedding car. Of course, Andrew he blocks blocks the, the the parking space, so that was my first memory of driving vehicles. And obviously arrested <laughs> at the right young age of nine years
1: old. I mean that's one for the memory books to be fair, Andrew. I can see why that one stuck out.
0: So it, it was so that was the first time and then I think when I was fourteen, I remember Jimmy McKee's brother, Joey, saying he had a a garage and he had this hearse <laughs> and he was repairing it. And he says, Andrew, you wouldn't take that wee car out, the, that car, like the hearse. Take the <laughs> hearse out the road there and see if she's going okay now. I'm after putting four new plugs in it, and so what did I do? I headed for Kitty. <laughs> and I was arrested again <laughs> in the hearse. <laughs> and did I was fourteen. Thought you stole it. <laughs> I do. I, I I actually got arrested again. I on. I'm not having much luck. I'd be better getting my license first, wouldn't I? You might be so on. all of these things sort of helped me uh, in motorsport. You know, I really had a, a great love for for driving. Uh-huh. But all of those years, I've like been a young boy getting stopped by the police and getting arrested. And of course, I lived in South Armagh, mm-hmm. and yeah, it was pretty lawless at the time. Mm. You were. Fit to drive nearly wherever you wanted, whenever you wanted. Yeah. And no one would have stopped you, because I knew if they, I could get outside Kiddy, uh, and up into, you know, the top roads of Newton Hamilton, they probably wouldn't chase me anyway.
2: Yeah, either. yeah.
1: So would you have been driving the whole time, Andrew, between nine and fourteen, and right up to seventeen? Like, would you just? These are the two biggest memories: getting caught as such.
0: If it moved at all, if it had a wheel and wheels, I drove it from six.
1: And it all started that
0: day in the snow. It all started that day in the snow, and I remember so well because I was nervous. Yeah. But then I got over that, and uh, you know, life took it, it took its own journey after that in terms of my motorsport. Yes. But you know, the whole like, the whole South Armagh thing was was something else. I
1: would imagine that was pretty tough to grow up in, Andrew.
0: It was. It was. I seen too much. Yeah. I came across a lot of bad situations mm-hmm. in my time and you know I started working in refrigeration when I was 16 mm-hmm. and I was working for A&N uh, down in Tassa and I remember starting my job there and between I was 16 and 19 I had seen so much trouble you know there's people a lot of my neighbors unfortunately lost their lives through the troubles mm-hmm. and When I was 19, I was actually in a bomb explosion myself in Market Hill. And I was in a butcher shop fixing a cold room for a guy called John Wildrew at the time. And uh, lo and behold, he came in and he says, Andrew, he says there's a bomb scare outside. I says, Really? I didn't really think much of it. And he comes back in and he says, I think. It might be for real today. So I walked out anyway and looked up the street and down the street. There was no one there. And uh, I said, John, I think we better run. So we started running and I think I got about 25 meters. Mm. The bomb went off and blew us underneath the lorry that was sitting parked, it was a Coca-Cola lorry, sitting parked at the, at the corner and, the, you know, everything went up and you could hear the silence, and then all of a sudden, engines and gearboxes and bits and pieces started <laughs> landing around you. Oh. And uh, so, as a result of that, I'm quite. Deaf. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I had a lot of trouble with my inner ears after that.
1: It's funny I always remember you talking about uh, your um, your hearing and, and saying, you know, the, you know I can't sorry, say that again, you know my hearing's not great or whatever, but I never had any idea
0: that it was because of a bomb. Yeah, that's that's what happened and you know I had seen too many things. I came across different accidents where people had lost their lives in the troubles and I remember coming home one day, it was after that and saying to my dad, I said, I'm out of here uh, because I was just getting too close to yeah,
2: yeah.
0: to bad situations and, and that bomb really set me off
2: Aye.
0: You know, it, it's a life changing experience in itself It um, must
1: have impacted you hugely Andrew
0: It did, but at the same time, it created an opportunity for me because I went to Dublin shortly after that and I'm standing, believe it or not, at the urinal in the toilets in Dublin, in Sex Hotel, and I'm talking to this gentleman, we were down at a refrigeration show, and he says, "Uh, are you down at the refrigeration conference today? And I said, Yes, I am. He says, Would you be interested in coming to work in Dublin? And I said, I don't think so. What well, I didn't realise the amount of money that they were going to offer me to come and work in Dublin was three times, three and a half times more than what I was earning.
2: Okay.
0: And I remember clearly I was earning eighteen pounds forty six a week. That was my week's wages. Mm-hmm. And uh, this man, two of them actually, Jim Keating from Cross Refrigeration and Dermot Watch from Cross Refrigeration and they offered me seventy two puns. And I went Yes I have to go. I have to go. And that was me moving away, one, from the troubles, but two. It created a new world for me, uh, within the refrigeration business that we're now in. Mm-hmm. And they were so good to me. I was yeah so lucky I made the move at the right time and you know I suppose I feel I'm like the cat with the nine lives have escaped a lot of bad situations yeah yeah and I, here we are
1: you know you're still here telling the tales like it's yeah. a fascinating Like obviously, that's the whole point of these conversations on this podcast is to actually find out about as much as we can, anyway, about the lives of people that we've we've looked up to and adored for so long. But I mean, like you truly have come through some crazy situations, regardless of Ryan.
0: Well, yes, I I unfortunately I seen the the troubles you know when I was fourteen right through to 19. It was only five years, but that was the the height of the troubles in Northern Ireland. And my neighbour was shot and that had a serious influence on me as well and then getting blown up in the bomb uh, Just moved me one step towards I have to get out of here yeah. uh, And I did and I'm so grateful That I was able to go to Dublin and work there, but at the same time I've always been involved, well, talk about the peace movement, we, we talk about, uh, my kids went to integrated schools in Northern Ireland at the time, my friend Raymond Donnelly and I, along with a number of other people, set up the first integrated school in Armagh, which was a great thing to do. We're one child was a Protestant the other one was Roman Catholic and they all had to sit beside each other and everyone that went to that school was
2: 50-50
0: and it was the same with the teachers. Mm -hmm. So I think the fact that I had gone to Darkley School Mm -hmm. it was integrated in itself. Everyone went to that school Uh both Roman Catholic and Protestant and to this day we're all friends and I think It's a great thing to do uh, is to have your kids mix with the opposite religion.
1: Yeah. Why do you feel like that's so important, Andrew? Um, To make sure, you know, basically because that would have been, I mean, that's blazing a trail back in those days in Northern Ireland. You know, why was that so important for you to kind of do that?
0: I knew, or I felt I knew, that I was so comfortable and happy with the friends that I grew up with in school. And I think the feeling was mutual, and to this day we're all friends. And we, we always helped each other. And when we were going to rallies, we went to rallies together. Uh, we would go to Cross Maclean, for example. Roland McNamee, who then became my sponsor with True Cuisine de France, uh, sat with me. Brian Murphy from Cross McLean. And all of these guys from the opposite side of the religion. Uh, we all got on really well together yeah, yeah. and the only thing that we were really interested in was sport yeah. and it happened to be motorsport but before that I don't think too many people know that I was in togo war yeah and I pulled for Rich Hill Tug war team and we went to you know we, we traveled all over the world uh-huh. competing at international level yeah and at that time you had to be so strict with your diet, uh, no alcohol at all, mm-hmm. and we were you know, training five days a week, and pulling on the Saturday, and on the Sunday we'd, we'd go and run the Mourne Mountains, yeah. uh, ten miles over the Mournes, every Sunday before lunch. So all of a sudden, you were, at the time, an athlete.
2: Yeah
0: because it was a very, very good uh, sport to be involved in. So strict and so competitive. And so when we compete against Spain, Italy, Germany, the Dutch, Holland, it was just amazing. And everyone had the same mindset. Uh Um, So that was probably the start of my competitive world, yes.
1: And Andrew, obviously like, I mean, to be able to do, Sort of any any of the things that you've done in your lifetime, Um, but you know, even if whether it's whether it's the sport and the tug of war, or whether it's the you know coming away from a bomb and actually being able to kind of keep keep moving on with your life, there's obviously a huge level of strength and resilience that's within you. Are you aware of that?
0: Some people would say that to me, Mm -hmm. Um, and I think going back to being a young fella living in South Armagh, you know, when I was going to school, I used to have to walk four or five mile every day to feed my father's animals. And then I would get a lift home at night. But, but I was always running or competing at something. Yeah. And the tug of war for me taught me how to be... Very competitive. Yeah. But to never give in mm-hmm. or give up. Yeah. Because you're holding that rope in order to win the competition. You can't let go. You have to hold on. And you must stay longer than the opposition to yeah. win. That's the way it is. Mm-hmm. And that taught me when others might think of throwing in the towel,
2: yeah.
0: it's not within me to do that. Right. I feel there's an inner strength there that keeps me right uh-huh. and so I've brought that into my business, I've brought it into my sport through the years.
1: Uh-huh. And do you think, Andrew, that was like, one of the questions I ask all the time is, um, you know, what's around the idea of the chicken or the egg, you know, what came first? Like, do you think that that resilience... Um, is in you or do you think some of the experiences in your life have kind of taught you to be that person?
0: <sighs> That's a very good question. I think I, I I had to teach myself to be the person that I became. Mm-hmm. But I never I never wanted to fail her. Yes and when i started working in dublin i remember going to work on refrigeration equipment that was way technically more difficult than i was capable of doing at the time but i would then learn i must master this yeah to be the best at it yeah and i would work very hard at teaching myself all the the small detail that was needed to be successful in my refrigeration business. When I arrived in Dublin, I didn't have that, so I had to teach myself to do that, and then it became the norm, Mm -hmm. and the same in sport, I was so dedicated to my sport, like the food, I would never take alcohol at all. Uh And I remember my brother-in-law, William Hughes, to my sister Caroline, tried to give me a little drop of alcohol at Christmas in a glass of orange juice and I went ballistic because (laughs) if I had taken that little snip I'd have broken my contract with myself not to do this Uh and I was so cross because when I Decided that I would not have alcohol for 12 months. Then there was no Nothing. alcohol. Yeah. It's zero tolerance. Yeah. And the same when, when when we won the championships back in 2000, 2002. I had no alcohol mm-hmm. uh, going into those years.
1: Isn't it mad?
0: Like, Crazy. The discipline. Discipline to the detail uh, of that. Uh-huh. That's
1: what's needed, Andrew, to set you
0: apart. That is, yes. And then, then you have to compete against your opposition, and I just loved that. I loved the whole psychology, Uh the sports psychology, I think, we brought to another level Uh when we got to motorsport. Yeah.
1: Do you think it's harder to compete against yourself or other people?
0: I race myself. Yeah, I go to the start line of the Donegal rally and there are 140 people in that race mm-hmm. every one of them want to beat me Yeah, that's okay mm-hmm. but what they don't realise it's me that wants to beat me <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you're the biggest I, competitor you I, have <laughs> so I, it's irrelevant to what they think
2: Yeah,
0: I am there to race me yeah, and how I do that is by measuring the detail of how I control every stage.
2: Yeah,
0: with my navigator, James O'Brien. He will call the notes, but I'll refine what I'm doing. Yes, and I tell you within a quarter of a second, a mile, whether I'm beating myself or not.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And usually, the result is pretty good.
1: I would say you have a good enough track record now, Andrew, <laughs> I would say, I'd have to agree there.
0: So, yes, yeah, so when when I come to race Bertie Fisher and Austin McHale, and Derek McGarty and Eugene Donnelly and all of these guys, I'm not there to really race them, no. I'm there to race me. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what makes me think differently. Mm -hmm. Because if I don't do it really well, I know I haven't put the commitment into it that I need to put into it. So when I go to the start line of high Glen, low Glen, it's how fast can I take every corner in this stage? Time talk will tell you whether you've won or lost. Yeah. That's fine. But I would like to think, before I get to the finish line of that stage, mm-hmm. that I've been have a really good crack at it.
1: Yeah. And Andrew, one of the things I always remember about your kind of your driving style and sort of even actually just what people would have said about you when I was younger was that, you know, that boy has no fear, that boy's clean mad, you know. Is there, do you think is there an element of that that was just, that's just your personality like and you are just, you know, go full tilt and that's it or do you think was there a case of, you know, you had seen such crazy things in your lifetime, uh, particularly say your childhood and your teenage years growing up in Northern Ireland. Do you think because you had seen so much hardship that you were kind of like life for a living? You know, I have to. There's no point in being afraid of these things.
0: Well, I've been asked that question a few times. Um, people would say to me, "Oh, you've no fear. Mm. A fool has no fear. <laughs> I have fear. Yeah. But I think my fear is at a different level to most people. Okay. If you understand. I think me. so. Yeah. So when I'm committed to driving really hard on a rally stage people say you know I know it's probably scaring them a little bit but that's my comfort zone yeah yeah. I get into the car I belt up put my helmet on I feel as if I'm in sitting in the house in the living room in the armchair Mm -hmm. and when I'm in that place I'm in a good place Uh and I I do have to say and you know, T V programmes show this. How James O'Brien sits there, I'll never know. I, I couldn't sit there. Yeah, yeah, no. I just couldn't do it. Yeah. But he can do it. Now, I know when he raises his voice sometimes, uh, he feels we're we're on the edge. But you'll often see me putting my thumb up and say you know, give him a thumbs up, saying, It's okay, James. I have. It. I have it. Yeah. I'm, I'm in control here mm-hmm. because sometimes he feels I'm just over the edge, a
2: Yeah.
0: and
1: that we thumb will settle him back down again.
0: The thumb settles mm-hmm. every time uh, until the next time. <laughs>
1: you, the next corner. <laughs>
0: so, but you know, it's it's all about lines and being comfortable.
1: Yeah, you know. And do you think that comfort and the chaos came from such sort of a chaotic childhood, not within home or anything, but within the environment that was around everybody at that time in Ireland?
0: I think, you know, I I, I would be, I'd have to sit here and say that I, I, I believe in God, mm-hmm. and I think he has guided me through a lot of situations. And I feel that I'm here for a reason. <laughs> when I was 19, there was an old lady who lived beside my mother in Dartley called Mary Ann Monaghan. And she had gone into my mother, Bella, and said to her, would you ask your son to come and see me? So my mother phoned me in Dublin and she says wants to see you and I says what does Marianne want to see me for mum she says well she's 92 and she's something for you and I'm going okay well sure I'll be up the road at the weekend no she says she wants to see you today what I didn't realize was she was coming to the end of her life and uh, she wanted to pass on something to me. And she sat me down. You can, I'll always remember this. She's a wee hat on her. Mm. And sat me down and she says, Andrew, I want to give you pass on charm to you for the sprain. For sprained ankles and legs and what have you. Will you accept it? And I said, I would. And she told me at the time, I have to pass it on to a boy mm-hmm. or a man and whenever the day comes and you will have to pass it on to a girl. Okay. You will know when the time is right. Yeah. And that was probably my start of my journey in in believing mm-hmm. in God the way yeah. yeah.
1: I would say there's a huge spirituality then there, it, um, yeah. like a big guide.
0: Because I've been through a lot of difficult situations, uh, as you know, and I always come out the better, better for it. The other side. Yeah.
1: One of the things that I have kind of realized in life, and I'm not even here that long, but like I have a huge faith as well, and it's, it's I've always had conversations with friends, you know, about faith or not faith or whatever, and. I honestly have always said like I don't know how people get through tough times without believing that there's somebody or something helping them yes but we were chatting about the charm so have you actually have you found yourself using that over the years or is it still something
0: that you No, I use it Uh I don't I don't don't advertise it (laughs) until today until today But yeah, uh, our neighbour in Donegal uh, hurt herself there a couple of weeks ago and we we did the charm and everything worked out okay.
1: Brilliant. all of that. And do you feel, you know, can you sort of, do you feel like you're doing the work or do you feel like somebody's working through you?
0: It's through me. Uh It's not me. I'm only the messenger.
1: Uh And yeah. can you hear things, Andrew, or is it just your hands are guided or your, you know, whatever, you just feel guided more
0: than I, I I feel totally guided and okay. I think, yeah, it takes, it takes the journey uh, through my hands uh-huh. to heal whatever injuries they have. Yeah. But, so when Mary Ann sat me down through how to do it all, she communicated all the information to me and passed it over to me. Um, she then uh, left it to me after that. It was amazing.
1: And have you the amazing
0: gift to have? Yeah,
1: like have you? I would imagine that you think about her often. I
0: there's a big connection I, there. I, I do think of her every time I put my hands. To someone to try and heal them, uh-huh. and the uh, like it was handed down to her, so it was uh-huh. yeah. when she was a young girl. Yeah. So this has been going on for hundreds of years. years
1: yeah. And have you? Did you ever ask her, like, why you or how she picked you? Have you any idea how you're going to?
0: I don't know. I yes, I I don't know why she picked me. Um, I was a neighbour. I was always kind to her mm-hmm. and she was very kind to me and like she could have given it to some of her sons and daughters but mm. she didn't, she passed it yeah, on to me why me? You? Why me? I don't so know And so and yeah, now
1: yeah, you pick it or deciding or knowing.
0: I will decide who I will hand this charm over to when the time's right
2: yeah.
0: and what you do is you, you, you have to pick you'll have to, I'll have to find someone with a similar faith. Yes. And, uh, because they have to believe. Mm-hmm. If you don't believe, you don't get. No. It won't work.
1: No, faith is everything. It really is um and you know one of the major things that kind of struck me there as you were chatting um when i when i go back to and think about the strength and resilience thing um you mentioned sort of not a fear of failure but like you did not want to fail at anything was that always there, or you know, was it just sort of like say, for example, that day in the snow when, you're, when you were six and your dad just said, "Get in and drive," and you yes. just had to do it? There was no, there was no option to fail at that because the car had to be moved. You, you were the only person there to help him. Yeah. You know, do you think it was it moments like that that instilled that in you, or again, was it just sort of it's just sort of in you to to want anything you put in your hand to, you want to do well.
0: Well, I I learned very young, uh, when I was training to be a refrigeration engineer, if I didn't do it right, it was never going to be right, Yeah, and you have to go through a process of perfection, is probably the word, you have to go through the detail to get it right. So all of the refrigeration systems that I'd been installing, I have always had a... I had probably OCD, Yeah. it had to be to perfection, everything yeah. I did in my work and that then followed through to the, the motorsport as well and so when we set up our rally team and the people that were working with me on the rally team, everything had to be perfection yes. and if it was, everything else worked out. Yeah the best usually
1: do you but find that hard to wonder like that's a tough way to live perfectionism is
2: tough yeah
0: sometimes you have to give it a wide burst <laughs> say look at you, you can't be living on the edge to perfection all of the time yeah. you just cannot do it.
1: Have you found that balance naturally over time or, you know, was there a moment where you kind of realised, I actually just don't have the energy to keep this going anymore? you know, something has to change here. No, I don't
0: think it's... um, I don't think much about it, to be honest with you. It's there all the time. Yeah.
1: And it obviously... It it is something the Wanderer has to do to you, because if you look at whether it's rallying, um, you know, anything you've done in your personal life or career, work, like, you do everything so well.
0: Well, it's not that it's intentional. It's just the way it is. Mm-hmm. I don't go out to say, this has to be the way it's going yeah. to be. That's going to happen naturally if that's the way you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you don't have to worry about making it better or making it worse. Yeah, it just
1: is. It,
0: it will be what it will yeah.
1: be. And So basically, it is just a part
0: of your personality. Yes. And like just driving it. these corners here. I'm sitting here trying to find lines through them, but I'm trying to refine them that's what I do even in the rally car. How can I straighten that road up? Like I'll take you on some of the journey today
2: yeah.
0: over Nacala mm-hmm. and there's corners there and you straighten them up. Yeah. But there's corners there. Yeah. And that's what the sport has done for me.
1: And your brain must never stop Andrew. I mean it, it must genuinely be just thinking and going all the time, is it?
0: No, I love going to sleep. Okay, did you get a wee break? (laughs) I love going to sleep to get switched off. Yeah. Because as soon as I'm up and running, it's Mm non-stop. It is non-stop. That's just the way it is. I'm thinking about the next project or the next detail or the next whatever. Uh It's it's non-stop. I think we found the road. We did. So
1: we're turning into what is the beginning of the Glen stage, Andrew, like, there's something very, very special about most of the stages in Donegal, but you have always loved, you have always loved Glen, and you've specifically loved it in this direction where you come down into the village.
0: Yes, well, I think there's a lot of time to be made up on this stage by straightening the road up.
2: Yeah.
0: Okay. That's what I was speaking about earlier. (laughs) The, de- the detail of of all of these corners now i know where i am this is the start line here like yes. this corner up ahead yeah i take this flat as hard as i can go but normally people would break and slow up Aye. with this. It. it's flat but you're cutting straight through the bend see the crest
2: yeah you're into the over. air there yeah
1: And I mean, the surface oh, here, Andrea, as Pardon? well, it's
0: just the surface is so, like...
1: Abrasive. Like, it's just, it's perfect conditions, really,
0: isn't it? Donegal roads are fantastic, especially in the wet. <laughs> because the surface is such that it drains a lot of the water away.
1: Uh uh-huh. And everybody else is afraid, but I would guarantee that you have no fear in the wet. Well,
0: this is where they always question me. Uh, like going on to that stage with slicks on, they went, doesn't make much sense to most people, but it makes a lot of sense to me.
1: Uh-huh. You just trust that the grip is
0: there? The grip is here. Yeah. Well, if there's some shiny tar, there's no, there's no grip. But for uh-huh. the best part, there's loads of grip on this road here. I love these corners here. This comes tightness around here. Do you miss the rallying?
1: I do, Andrew. I really do. For a long time, I didn't. Um, I was actually quite afraid of rallying, Andrew. Were you? Um, Not necessarily of accidents or any of that. It was more... Once I stopped, I found it very hard to focus on anything else, really. Um, And I found it... um, It took me a long, long number of years to be able to essentially give it up you know, be happy with life outside of rallying. Um, and for years there, I was afraid to actually even contemplate driving a rally car again because I thought, I can't go through that again. Yes. Um, you know, it's it's settling in me now. I'm starting to trust myself a wee bit more and know that I could probably do both. But it's difficult, isn't it, Andrew? Like when you, when you adore it so much to just be able to, to let it go the Monday after
0: the event well i have been able to do that yes because you you have to let it go it's a sport Mm -hmm. it's there for you to enjoy but it it can't be your whole life
1: were you always able to do that andrew or is that something that
0: i was always i wasn't always able to do it it probably took me a lot of time to learn to there's more to life than motorsport, yes. sport. Yes. But there's more to life than work as well.
1: Yes, yeah.
0: So you have to have a balance mm-hmm. of sport, no matter what it is. Let it be horse riding, let it be driving rally cars, let it be pulling tug-of-war. Mm-hmm. Whatever your sport is, cycling, swimming, you name it. It's important for everyone to have sport.
1: Yeah.
0: And my uncle Jimmy, in 1948, he was in the Olympic Games. Mm-hmm. And I remember him saying to me, Andrew, you've got to have a sport, because I was helping my father in South Armagh, as you know, Mm -hmm. he was an international livestock agent back in the day, where we transported the the livestock from the north of the border to the south of the border or more commonly known as a pig smuggler <laughs> 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 so my uncle would come home and he'd say Andrew you've got to have a sport you can't be you know dealing with pigs all your life <laughs> uh, yet my father wanted me dealing with pigs all my life but that's just the way it was
1: and what sport was he in the Olympics
0: for? he threw the discus
1: wow okay
0: he was a discus thrower, yeah. and he was the British champion. He held the record up until Jeff Capes beat his record in London. And uh, yeah, that's
1: an amazing I've, story through the family line.
0: Like, I've I've a lot of his trophies left them all to me because I was the next sports person in the house, yeah. in his eyes.
1: So you could see outside of work. all that you knew? Yes. You yes. know, most people just tunnel vision, I do this one thing and that's it. Yep. Or, but you could see outside of that and your uncle could see that yeah. you have that ability as well.
0: Correct. And I was so lucky to get away from the work, we call it, yeah. Yeah. and have a sport. Yeah. And it's the same as rugby today I love rugby I love I do a lot of work with the my rugby team and they're now up in 1A rugby in, in Ireland and you know, I put a lot of effort into the sports psychology around that with with the lads mm-hmm and yeah it's paid off yeah yeah We're really pleased for them well you
1: would have a huge amount of uh, i mean you mentioned sports psychology already and you would have a huge amount of experience and knowledge and wisdom to kind of pass on there andrew
0: yeah see this corner here yes how hard do you think we can take this
1: i would say fairly hard <laughs> there's a lot of grip there like
0: a lot of grip look at it through the bridge here beautiful bit of road isn't it oh this oh chips bunched up around the new car. It's just, I just this, this stage is so fast. Oh, yeah. This is where you make the time.
1: It's a long time actually since I've even driven this stage, you know, just for the crack, and It really is a special bit of road, isn't
0: it? It is. Fortunately, the roadmen have been out towering. They have. Fortunately for the locals, but unfortunately for us today. Yeah see the telephone pole in the distance or the electric yeah, pole, Yeah, that's where the 90 degree corner is. And you don't slow up until you get to that pole.
1: Okay, so that's it. Now,
0: did you, but you see the way back there? Uh-huh. So I just do not come out of it until you get there.
1: And then a bit of breaking.
0: So there's one or two seconds saved yeah. already.
1: Yeah. You know what, Andrew? Actually, now that I do this stage, I remember, there's, there's memories coming back to me. Um. I had the privilege of doing this stage with Brian Murphy sitting on with me and we were doing it this way round and he actually passed on some unbelievable wisdom about certain corners there too
0: Round the pole?
1: Yes And I would say some of it could have come from you as well
0: A few experiences between yourself and Brian through the years You did only
1: go a few times together didn't you?
0: Yeah, Brian was First navigator in Dunnyville, he was brilliant. Then he went to Austin awesome McHale. At which time then James came on board. Yeah. At a time I was actually having trouble getting a navigator because some of them thought I was maybe driving beyond my limits.
1: Isn't that mad now to think back on that? And I mean to be fair, you can understand it as well. You know, you were pushing. What
0: can you understand? Well I can I can understand <laughs> being
1: afraid at Nomady because
0: this is McGarty's corner. He went off there. You'll notice in my pace notes, I name p- certain corners where people have gone yeah, off. Yeah, That's McGarthy's there. And
1: is that to kind of frighten you, Andrew, to kind of pull you back and, and remind well, you that actually something if, can go wrong here?
0: Yeah. If good drivers have gone off on corners such as that, you know, there's it's it's like it's so reality check. Well. Yeah, yeah. Now, from here, the whole way down into the village is flat. That—that
1: That is literally what Brian Murphy passed on to me here. And it's something that blew my mind because I see corners.
2: Like,
0: but you yeah. don't, oh, uh, Well, there's a corner here we do have to slow up. Um, and maybe just drop it down one gear here. And from here... The whole way. The whole way to the bottom of this hill. Yeah. Is where the time's made. Yes.
1: Because I believe even that corner that we're looking at, um, we probably can't see it too clearly now, but once this car um, passes, like, you, we now as we look at that, that looks like a corner, but that is flat.
0: I would be taking that somewhere around 130 mile an hour.
1: Yeah, I remember that. And I, I actually, Brian spoke about Austin as well, and you
0: hear like, where this is flat out. Do yeah. not lift for this corner. Just here? Yeah. And there's two corners. That's the first one. And here's the second one coming. And you're on the rev limiter through both of them. Yeah.
1: And that is mind-blowing. Look. Because uh, they're corners, like, you know, but in a rally car, hug the side of the road. And... Now,
0: see this corner here? Yeah. There's another two corners here. I don't cha- I slow down, but I don't change gear. Would you believe that? Still in sixth gear. You're still pushing sixth gear. Still in sixth gear. The whole way through this.
1: And are you left of breaking at that point? Never touch it. Come? Never touch it. No. So just slightly lift off these. No,
0: toes. that's it. That's what the time's made. Yeah. So
1: there'll be people listening to this now, like Andrew, and making notes for next year.
0: I see in here mm-hmm. there's a number of little corners, but there's a rock in here. Yes. And it's really connected to Mother Earth. But if yeah. you don't, if you don't know what's there,
1: a lot of damage
0: can be done. A lot of damage is done.
1: Mm-hmm. And again, like I just
0: love this stage. I know. There were some rocks just there.
1: Yeah. And to remember that kind of detail, Andrew, again.
0: every millimetre of the road, I would say. Every millimetre of this road, I... And, funny, I, I think sometimes I memorise the stage. Uh-huh. I don't know whether that's a good thing or not, but I
1: can... Well, it would be fairly controversial in the sense that a lot of people would say that if you memorise it, you're not listening to the notes. And yeah. when you're not listening to notes, that's when you can make mistakes. Yeah. So, how do you how do you feel about that?
0: You have to listen to
1: the notes. Yeah.
0: No notes, no rally. You must listen to your navigator.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. We so know. we're
0: coming down into we Glen, village. Glen Village.
1: Now. A wee bit busier than.
0: And when you're here, the stage is only half over. I mm-hmm.
1: know. There's something about this village, the so wandering, when you come down into it and you see everybody. You do, it is one of those places where you notice that there are people everywhere. Yeah. And there's just Thousands of such people. an electric atmosphere when you come to this point here.
0: Yeah. Well, I don't see the people. It's I have to keep you really you know they're there, but you've got to focus on the job at hand. Yeah. And yeah. that's to get up through this stage as fast as you can. Around this right hander. Uh, two thousand six James and I nearly went off in this next corner here.
1: Was there shiny tar or something on these bits of road? Just here. In 2006,
0: there. because yeah. I remember
1: there. coming around
0: this yeah. corner. I went for a sale here.
1: Yeah, and somebody was in here, maybe, or yeah. the next one. Um, this was actually particularly treacherous, because it was my first only goal, and I remember being like, what's going on here? Because yeah. everybody was off here. Yeah. But that's obviously the difference between shiny tar and abrasive tar.
0: Now, you're coming into a really really difficult set of corners here.
1: Why do you feel they're particularly difficult, Andrew? What, in your words, would have them? What's that? Why do you feel like these corners are difficult?
0: Because this is where all the rocks are. Okay. And they all look the same. They're not the same. See the rocks sitting in there?
1: Yeah, yeah. Like again, this is where the notes would be vital because if you get yeah. distracted trying to remember the road, you will forget yeah. where you are.
0: No, I don't. I can memorize most of the road, but I listen to the notes mm. while I'm racing. Yeah. If that makes sense.
1: It is vital, yeah.
0: I do. I know what that This is doing. flat out here. I cut that there. Just clean over the top of the grass. Yeah. The day of the rally
1: today.
0: Not today. Yeah, this this stage was something else. Mm-hmm. Now it's flat to the next turpin. Yes.
1: Through all these, we, you're looking at the straight line there under, you're visualizing a straight rope.
0: As hard as you can go.
1: One of the things that always struck me about Donegal, um, oh, can I suppose to be fair, it could be said about a lot of the events in Ireland because there such a scenic roads, but particularly on the recce, you wouldn't notice it in the rally, but the beauty that surrounds you on these roads. Like, look at the view that we have here at the moment as well. Yeah, look,
0: Nock Or muckish, sorry.
1: muckish. Muckish, yeah, and Ergil in front of you, and, and you know, the water over there to the right of Glenloch. Like, it's just. There's just there. magic everywhere, isn't there? Whether you're driving fast or
0: but If But if you look at now this year, there was 150,000 people came along to see the rally. I know. That's amazing.
1: Amazing. Like, it's such a huge sporting well,
0: um In Donegal, motorsport is the biggest sport.
1: Yeah, it is. Donegal and GAA, um, but I do think, you know, I do think motorsport is is, is huge here in relation to anywhere else. Andrew, like you love Donegal, not, okay you love the Rally, but not just the Rally, like you specifically love this place and you come here an awful lot, you spend a lot of your time here. I love it. What is it about Donegal, can you word
0: it, have you ever been able to figure out what it is that calls well, you here? I think everyone is so relaxed here and that that rubs off, you know, I'd be coming from traveling different parts of the world and I, I come to Donegal and I go down to Dunt and Port the bat I just switch off yeah. and my two boys Graham and Matthew they love it as well Nana now we Robbie the next generation uh-huh. Linda loves it and it's home from home for yeah, us. yeah and everyone is so welcoming I think the fact that we had competed in the Donegal rally so many times it helps mm-hmm. yeah because you don't People walk, down, you don't walk down the street without being recognised. Yes, I would imagine. And uh, yeah, a lot of my best friends all live here in Donegal. Mm-hmm.
1: Love it. I mean, for somebody that is so sort of uh, disciplined and motivated and driven in so many ways, it must be so important for you to have sort of a, a haven.
0: Oh, you've no idea. You know, I've had great times in Donegal, but I've also had bad times as well, Mm -hmm. where I had my road accident just up the road Uh gap. Yeah. I then had gone off the road a few times in rallies, Mm
2: -hmm.
0: like Alcala, we're going to next. I crashed on it twice. Yes. And, uh, yeah. But I still come back for more.
1: You come back for more? Because it must just feel like home at this stage, Andrew.
0: It's home from home. I would live here all the time now if I could manage it. Yeah.
1: So, Andrew, we are just after coming out of Creasla there, and we're on the the Gap Road. And this road would be particularly significant to you. you had a pretty bad road accident like in the road car on this road Um, and if you don't mind talking about it could you explain to us you know not only what happened that day but like the aftermath and the the recovery of this accident. Mm.
0: Well I was coming out of Letterkenny, as you know and it was about quarter to ten at night And I was going down to the caravan in Marble Hill. And the mobile phone rang. And I reached down to pick it up. Unfortunately, I hit a rock on the side of the road. Mm -hmm. Which broke the rim in two. Yes. Now I didn't realise the rim was broken in two, I just thought I'd got a puncture.
2: Yeah.
0: And the car started going sideways. From one side of the road to the other, and I'm steering as best I could. Mm -hmm. And it was like a pendulum effect. Yes. But it kept getting worse. I couldn't get the car to slow down. Okay. And all of a sudden, it started going sideways, and then side over side, started rolling down the road. And then it flipped around, and uh, then went end over end.
2: Yeah.
0: And I'm in the car, and I remember saying clearly, God please don't hurt me
2: yeah. I
0: remember saying it and uh, he said back to me well I think you needed a bit of a lesson not, not, not realising the depth of the, the lesson that I was about to receive uh-huh. so was, you
1: didn't really even at that point realise how bad it was
0: we are just coming up to the, the, the place here where we, where we had the accident I rolled up up against that bush there. Yes. And you can see where the road is cleared there. Yeah. Would you like me to show you where I finished up?
1: Yes please Andrew.
0: So there is the scene of the accident over there. Okay. So I was coming up over the crest here Mm -hmm. and I hit a rock on the left hand side.
2: Yeah.
0: And I started rolling down the road here and see where the metal post is. Yes. I just missed the post by about three inches wow. as I was rolling. Uh-huh. And then the car went, I think I rolled about six times.
1: Uh-huh. I just kept going on. Kept
0: going, the kept going. And then it went end over end. And I remember saying, Please God, don't hurt me. And my hands were going all over the place. And the next thing, I finished upside down, tied up against that tree.
2: Wow.
0: Not realizing yeah. my arm is outside yes underneath the roof of the car mm-hmm. and I was stuck what so was when I thing? released my my belt mm-hmm. I fell down onto the headcloth mm-hmm. and I, I thought well look at it's an accident all I have to do is get out of here yeah but I didn't realize I was trapped my arm was outside underneath the roof and there I lay, until I got out r- around my arm, just like a contortionist. Mm-hmm. I had to work out how to climb out of the car. And that was very difficult.
1: Mm-hmm. Andrew, were you, like, at this point, can you even remember the fear at that point? Like, Or are you just so, you know, in survival mode, get out of here, that you just, you can't even feel anything, you're just trying well, to get out of there?
0: I, I remember saying to myself, When I realised my arm was underneath the Mm. car, I remember saying to myself, uh, someone's going to find me. Mm. You know, someone's going to come up the road and see me upside down. Yeah. But no one stopped. All night, there was cars coming in, coming up and down the road, but they never seen me. And there Mm -hmm. I was. So, probably a half an hour into it, I realised I had to dig my way out of it. Mm -hmm. And I remember saying, you know, God, please, I don't want somebody else rearing my children. Aye. And that gave me the fight and the strength to start digging
2: mm.
0: a hole to get my other hand released. Yeah. And I remember watching a TV program and saying to myself, yeah, there was a little mole moling, mm. uh underground. I said, if the mole can do it, I can do it. Yeah. And I took the front door keys of my car I was fitting to reach them Mm -hmm. and I started digging with them and my belt the sally bushes that are around here Mm -hmm. all fell down uh, with the car sliding along the the ditch Mm -hmm. and at the same time my arm finished up underneath the roof of the car and I was trapped now people have life-changing situations in their life. That was my life-changing moment. Mm. I realized that I had to fight my way out of this. Yeah. I didn't know how long it was going to take. Mm-hmm. I can tell you now, it took all of eight and a half hours to, to dig my way out. And I remember coming, coming out of it. But before that, At about midnight, someone did stop, and I was shouting. Mm-hmm. But they never heard me. They drove off again, and I realized I'm gonna have to dig my way out of this, whatever it takes. Mm-hmm. And I remember taking the belt off my trousers to pull the sally rods, Yeah. the bushes, and I broke the belt three times. I had that much strength yeah. to break a leather belt,
2: mm-hmm
0: and the determination was to, to, to get out. Yeah. But I probably did more harm yeah. than I did good at the time because I then started stretching his arm, yes. it was broken. Yeah. And at, at, at one point, it was probably six inches longer than it should have been. Yeah. And then when I released the arm and the wrist back in again, mm-hmm. they didn't go into the broken bones.
2: Yeah.
0: And that's when I did, did most of the damage.
1: And there was huge damage done to that area.
0: Huge it? damage. Uh, but about... But then, every half an hour or so, I'd take a break from digging. Mm-hmm. And i start singing. Right. And I'd sing old Danny boy.
1: Yeah.
0: And I'd sing... for the full, full verse. Mm-hmm. And then I'd start digging again.
2: Yeah.
0: And that went on through the night. Mm-hmm. Like every half an hour, I'd start singing. Yeah to take my mind away from being trapped. Mm-hmm. It's an awful feeling
1: Oh, I would imagine
2: under the fear. Being trapped. Yeah
0: It's a terrible feeling. But the big ticket was to get out uh-huh. and To untrap myself
1: What I all I can think about now is what you were speaking about earlier when you spoke about the tug of war that to, to be the person that wins is the person that's there the longest, the person that essentially never gives up and keeps going, keeps holding on and for you at that moment, holding on was digging.
0: I would have died if it, if it had given up Absolutely. and there was no fun in that.
2: No.
0: I just kept digging, kept singing, kept digging mm. but at about half three, four o'clock in the morning there was this big cloud come over me and mm. I'm going oh it's gonna start raining But it wasn't rain, it was midges. They all came to visit me.
2: Yeah.
0: And all of a sudden, because I was rubbing my face any any time the midges would bite me, and it turned out they came in in their millions
2: Mm.
0: and ate me alive. And I remember saying to God at one point, I have no more pain. Mm. I actually got to the point where I had no pain. I went through a lot of pain, and then the midges started eating me. And then I realized I had a job to do. Mm -hmm. But at that point, I had an outer body or inner body feeling Mm -hmm. of no pain. All pain left me and mentally Mm -hmm. in total peace of mind Mm
2: -hmm.
0: for the rest of that journey that night.
1: You knew what you had to do?
0: I knew what I had to do, but it was actually a nice feeling mm. came over me where there was no more pain.
1: And I would imagine like that, that that's a very spiritual kind of a feeling.
0: That's a very spiritual thing.
1: Where no fear, no no fear, no as you say, feeling of pain. But at that point it was just very much I have a job to do and always with me. We're gonna get out of here. Again. And away you went. And you just kept going.
0: I kept going until I, I was fit to feel my hand with this hand. Mm. I, I eventually got in there, yeah. but the sally rods, when I pushed my left hand in to pull my right hand out, yeah. didn't sally rods come in and catch both hands? Okay. I was trapped. Both hands were, were trapped mm. underneath the sally bushes.
2: Yeah.
0: And I said to God, why are you doing this to me? Mm. Do you not think I'm in enough trouble? And <laughs> yeah. here, here here, I am now trapped with both arms, mm. trapped. Yeah. And he says, well, you'll work that out. You'll work that out. Hang on, you work it out. How can I work this out? And just like that, I turned my hand one way, and the other hand the other way, and it released both hands.
2: That's me.
0: Because the Sally bush was pushing into my wrist.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And once I turned it, it turned away.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And the same with the other hand it was strapped.
2: Yeah.
0: I was fitted. So I had to turn the bushes in opposite directions and pulled two hands out.
1: And what was that moment like, Andrew?
0: That was. A hooray! Like, well, I'm like. Of- and I'm kissing my hand and I'm going, I still have you.
2: <laughs> it's but still I'd, here.
0: I'm going. Oh my goodness, am I glad to see you. And I remember using a tie and tying my arm up around here. And then I headed off down this road. And you see the yellow lines? Mm -hmm. It's one mile to the nearest house. Yes. And I remember walking the line. I started walking the white line. And then I realised, if I faint or collapse, someone's going to drive over me. Yes. Whereas if I walk the yellow line, the if fainter collapse, I'm likely to fall into the sh- into the hedgerow. Mm-hmm. And I walked the yellow line for one mile to a lovely gentleman called Hugh McGinley
2: uh-huh.
0: and his sister Margaret and her husband. They were home from Scotland. And I walked to his house, and I remember hammering the door. He told me to go away because I was covered in clay. He thought, you didn't know what I was.
1: A scary sight, really. I was
0: a scary sight arriving to him. And then when he realized that I was injured, he opened the door and his sister looked at me and she goes, oh my goodness. And she went right back upstairs again, Mm -hmm. took the bed, clothes off her bed, and put them around me. That was the nicest feeling ever. Of in
2: comfort.
0: Yeah, yeah. For someone's warm clothing to be put around you. Having spent eight and a half hours oh my in the gap.
1: And I mean, like the fallout from that, Andrew, must have been insane. Just for you mentally. Like I mean you, you mentioned that, you know, you had to be taught a lesson, but like, like I would I would imagine For a long time, you just had to get through and get out of it physically, you know, and and get yourself better. But what was the lesson once you were at a point where you could realize it?
0: The lesson probably was to learn to be more relaxed with life, with myself. Mm -hmm. And try and do more good around your life. Okay. And that's what I did. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah it was a serious lesson
1: yeah a very
2: serious
0: lesson and you know after that I I remember going Hugh McGinley took me in his car to the hospital and I was in so much pain mm. at this point point. and he would only drive at 15 mile an hour the whole way there and I said you, you, when he got to the top of the mountain uh, in Letter Kenny going downhill I says you could nearly freewheel from here and I was saying that hopefully he'd speed up a little mm-hmm. bit and he says no I don't want to hurt you oh, he was so gentle so yeah. kind uh, yeah. I, I love love that man dearly mm-hmm. such a nice man
1: and in many ways you know they saved your life that night
0: saved my life you saved had my arm.
1: Saved, you had saved it but, if it hadn't been for that house and then people driving you safely to the hospital, like...
0: I was in, I was in a bad place.
1: Mm. So, Andre, I would imagine it's not too easy to revisit that site.
0: Well, uh, I have to say, it gives me a little bit of a a feeling of shouldn't have been in there. Mm. <laughs> but, it's... Um, no, it's okay. It, I always salute it every time I come past it, because it was. It was still kind to me. Yeah. It didn't take my life.
1: No, it let you out again, didn't it? It let me out. And that you know there was there, there was definitely a wave of emotion that washed past you um, or over you completely whenever you were in there. Um, but you were saying that. Most of the time when you drive this road, it doesn't really, no. you acknowledge it, but it doesn't really... I
0: acknowledge the road, I acknowledge the accident, I acknowledge Hugh McGinley's wee house where I went to that night.
2: Yeah.
0: And, uh, yeah, no, that, that touched a bit of a, a nerve in me in there, so it did.
1: and um, would you say... Yeah could you say is it was it a positive or a negative was it a, an overwhelming kind of like wow I made it through or wow that was that was
0: a tough moment for me I felt that I shouldn't have, I should have been in there <laughs> just <laughs> felt it I felt it was uh, just brought the whole thing back to me yeah and I probably yeah I haven't really talked about it before have I
1: no. no, I mean you always you're always um very honest about about it and you acknowledge that the accident um happened of course and you speak about your recovery I would I would say quite often but it's a very different thing to actually think about the emotion of something um and to actually relive something again. Yeah. And I would imagine like that's you know, even even in your in your tone of voice there, and sort of the way you were describing the feeling of being trapped, like that's that that was a hard place to be, and it would be a very difficult memory to go back to.
0: Yeah, you you some things are better let go. That's mm-hmm. one of them there. Yeah. I, I'm lucky to be alive. Mm-hmm. I'm so pleased that I'm able to show you. Where the accident took place, but I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be going looking for it no. anymore. No, leave it behind.
1: And you mentioned the changes, Andrew, um, and how it did change your life. Can you, you know, you strike me as a very silver lining to every cloud type of a person? Um, we already spoke about some of the lessons, but can you, maybe, speak about some of the things that you know for a fact positively? Changed
0: in your life after that accident? Yes, I I probably started taking life more serious. Mm-hmm. And you know, I after the accident when I was taken Letter Kenny Hospital, the, the injury was so bad that I then had to go we were heading for Belfast to meet a Mr Calderwood at the time to work on the injury Mm -hmm. and we got as far as Derry, Alt McGalvin, and uh, I went in to see a surgeon there, Sean Simpson, Mm -hmm. and I remember Linda, my wife, saying to him, well we are actually, we were planning to head to Belfast to meet Mr Calderwood to try and get the injury worked on. And he said to me at that time, he says, "Well, Mister Caldwell is one of the top two surgeons surgeons in Northern Ireland, uh, and I happen to be the other one." And he says, "You don't have time to go to You don't have time to go to Belfast."
1: <laughs> That's the kind of confidence you want, doesn't it? And
0: I'm going. You're my man. Yeah. Uh, you you get on with it. And it was only years later, when I, well, I was going to theatre shortly after that, for him to work on it, and he. On my arm for about seven hours. Uh, on the way down to theatre, he says to me, Andrew, is there any questions before we go into theatre here? I says, Yes, I have one question for you. How long do you think it'll be before I can go back rallying again? <laughs> and he goes, What? I says, Well, I won the Donegal rally there a few weeks ago, and I'm just wondering when I'd be back out uh, rallying again. And he, he just looked at me and he goes he says that's down to you that'll be down to you little did I realise what he was planning on doing it was only 3 or 4 years well 5 years later I I called in to see him one day to present him with a book because someone had created a motorsport catalogue of a lot of my wins Mm -hmm. uh, through the different internationals and I was giving it to him as a present took me into his office and said in front of his staff, oh, this is the guy, Andrew Nesbitt, who had the bad car accident, and this is my injury. And he says, and the nurse says, is this the guy you are gonna amputate? You are gonna amputate his arm? And then you decided to give it a go? And I, I, I just couldn't believe what I was hearing. I never knew that he was going to amputate my arm. Wasn't that a lucky m- moment in time?
1: That was a lucky one and isn't it funny that like there is truth to the to the saying like that less is more sometimes. You know the less amount of
0: information you can have the better it can be for you at times. Well I didn't know for years that that's what he was planning to tell me. But I asked him when could I race again and that's that changed him as well forever because he's talked about this injury all over the world Mm -hmm. and
1: it was your determination that made him decide not to he knew you needed that for many more reasons of course but like when he spoke about the only question that you had or when he spoke to you and the only question you had was about competing again he knew how important
0: it was well it, it changed his life as well because he, he'd been able to speak about danger all over the world. He told me he spoke about it in New York and Australia, Germany, and all over the world. And I think the point he was making, when you think there is nothing more we can do, maybe there is. Yeah. And that's what changed his mind. He decided to give me one more chance uh, with my arm. And... Look, at, I had to get a lot of physio twice a day for a long time. Linda, fortunately, was a physiotherapist and worked really hard on my arm. Yeah. And uh, I finished up with a claw hand it, and I had to rehabilitate and get that all working again. Yeah. And now I have perfect use out of both hands.
1: Do you ever have any pain in it
0: now, Andrew? No. No pain. I have 12 screws and two plates holding it together. <laughs> Yeah, but other than that, everything's, everything's great. Every time I go through the through the airport, the alarm goes off. I would say it's a bit of a torture yeah, for you. but other than that, everything's good. Brilliant.
1: Well, that's just one of those stories, Andrew, again, of strength and resilience. And again, you know, how that strength and resilience not only got you through, but it clearly inspired him to think outside the box. You know, you weren't giving up, even in the midst of all that trauma and... You know, the darkest hour essentially of, of, of kind of any person could go through, you know, and you're still thinking about life after. You know, it's not just, you're, t- you're just thinking to yourself, wow, like, the surgeon's going to fix my arm. Yes, but not only is he going to fix it, he's going to fix it so well that I can rally again. You know, that's the level of faith and hope you had in, in the outcome.
0: And the outcome was met all of that criteria. Uh, unfortunately for me, the following year I did go back rallying, and I crashed in every race. Every race I I crashed. What do you think? And I was real? leading every race, and I crashed.
1: Have you any idea? Would you think deeply about that kind of stuff? Have you ever been able to figure out, like, why specifically that year you could lead everything and then crash out? Have you ever connected
0: the two? Oh yeah, I know, I know, I know exactly why I crashed. I was trying. Too hard with an arm that wasn't capable of steering the steering wheel. Okay. I hadn't enough strength built back into my arm.
1: So what was a case of you probably needed more time.
0: I needed more time, but I didn't take more time. I just, uh, you know, I remember saying to the, the consultant, I said, "Look, at, if I'm back out racing in Galway uh, for Galway in February next year, I'll be happy." And he says, "That's that's down to you." And I was racing in Galway, but I went through the wall. Yeah. I hadn't strengthened my arm to turn the steering wheel. Wow.
1: And Andrew, the, a question that I have actually always wanted to ask you specifically about rallying and the accident was, how did you not have a fear of cars and crashing in general after that, let alone jump into a rally car again,
0: where it's quite possible that you can get into an accident? Well, crashing is part of the sport, isn't it? Yeah, it is. You know, you can't, you can't go out saying, I'm not going to crash. If you're going to win a rally, you have to be close to the limit. And sometimes you get caught out. Yeah. And if that happens, well, then unfortunately you may have a, a crash or two along the way. I crashed every race. And I only finished one rally that year, which was 1997. And it was the Ulster Rally and uh, Rory Kendi was sitting alongside me. Mm-hmm. But even then, we crashed in that rally. We went over morning. the hedge and into the field and back out through the gate. Knocked the gate down and <laughs> finished the rally and we were third. I was so pleased. Yeah. I felt I was back again. Yeah. Yes, that was part of the recovery, wasn't it? That was part of the, was. the character building. Absolutely.
1: And I mean, like, but was there not a moment where you thought to yourself, Jesus, I can't do this. Like, I I got so lucky that I was saved that night and I got a, That you know, my time hadn't come. I cannot rally again. Did that ever enter your mind? No. It just wasn't happening? No, no. You had to rally no. in that
0: moment? No, and that was, part of the character was to get back on the horse and go again. No, you never give up. And I would always say to people, you know, in the, if if the dark days, talk to someone mm. and try and be at peace with yourself. Yeah. Because there will be days like that.
1: And did you, you know, did you talk through the, I suppose, the trauma of that time, the physical and the mental trauma of being in such an accident and having to get back out to your competitive state.
0: Well, that's two questions, isn't it? One was the physical. It took. I remember the Sean Simpson saying to me, Andrew, it's going to take 365 days before you have all your feeling back. It's 365, why not 364? It was a millimeter per day, was what he was saying, and the injury from the middle of the arm to the top of the finger was roughly 12 inches. Yeah. Okay. And he told me at the time that'll be a millimetre per day recovery with the, the nerve injury I had, and you could nearly attain it to the day. It took it all of that time to 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 get the feeling back in to my hand fully.
2: Yeah, and
1: it's back now. Yeah, and you never look back. And it, it's you know at the time you wouldn't have known it, but all these years later. <laughs> you can look back and you can actually see that yeah, you know, my mantra of not giving up works because you had huge success in rallying and in life after that date.
0: After all of that, yes. Yeah.
1: And so very much, uh, you know, a sign of things to come or things can only get better, that kind of um, attitude and mentality.
0: Unfortunately motorsport's dangerous. (laughs) It can be dangerous and the only thing you can do is take as many safety precautions along the way as you can. Your belts, your helmets, your hands, device, have the right car, have the right equipment in the car. That's all you can do and once all of that's in place You're there to go as hard as you can. Yeah, that's what motorsports about. Mm-hmm. Formula One's no different. And unfortunately, sometimes uh, there are accidents along the way. But for the best part, it's a great sport.
1: Yeah,
0: made people in it.
1: It's an excellent sport, it really is. and A lot of the time, Andrew, people talk about uh, camaraderie and essentially the friendships and the family that you end up meeting through Rally. And it really is a gorgeous community, isn't it?
0: It is. Like, I've been very lucky. I've met some great people along the way. I've had a lot of good support over the years. My sponsors were very good to me. You know, from Subaru Ireland to Cuisine de France, which was Ronan me. Philip White, Philip White Tires Jean Megan Tony Kelly and Nether Kelly Leonard Kenny, all of these people who sponsored me over the years were very kind to me and I hope they got something out, oh, of, out of it in return that's what I would hope for Yeah,
1: and, and I'd I'd like, like, I like—I know for a fact they did, you know, the joy of um, a business person seeing their, their name on a car that, that wins of times that you won is um, probably a feeling that you really only you could match as the actual driver winning.
0: Yeah, well as, as I said to you earlier, I really competed against myself, and if I wasn't quick enough, then I wasn't good enough. You know that I had to be quick enough yeah. to give the results I did.
1: Yeah. And there's no there's no giving up at that point. Like you just have to you just have to keep going. You have to
0: just keep fighting. Sometimes, sometimes we could have went a little bit easier. (laughs) I would say. We could have maybe slowed down a little bit. But, you know, the year that we won every stage in Donegal, I never knew the times. James never said to me at any point, Andrew, we're leading every stage here. Mm. At no point did he ever tell me.
1: Is that something you asked James not to do?
0: That's something that I never really want to know, other than... uh, was I quickest in that stage. Yeah. That's all okay. I wanted him. Yeah. By how much didn't really matter.
1: Okay. As long as you were top
0: of the pop. As long as he was happy. You could always tell when he was happy. It was a little, little smile there. Aye. i call it little cork smile. <laughs> a little cork yeah. smile. Yeah. It was, it was great.
1: And again, going back to the friendship side of things, Andrew, like, You know, you mentioned earlier on that there was actually a point in your life where you struggled to get a navigator but, you know, the stars aligned again and and James O'Brien jumps in beside you, and, you know, alright, an incredible partnership in terms of um, the sport but like the friendships, the bonds, the relationships that form
0: because of this. Well I think our lives changed after we met because we we had such an amazing relationship, and we understood each other so well, and then we won so many rallies together, uh, it was just, as James said to me one day, when we met, our lives changed forever,
2: Yeah.
0: as a result of meeting,
2: yeah.
0: and don't get me wrong, I had a great navigator in Brian Murphy, he was a super guy, but when James sat on there, you know, we just took it to another, another level, of pace. Yeah. That, but in the, again, technology, the cars has changed as well.
1: Yeah. And new the, money, new goods. It's one of those things too, Andrew, like where when it's meant to be, it's meant to be. You know, in one way you could say, oh, you know, I, I, I couldn't find an Aviator for a while. Or you could turn that on its head and say, well, actually... You just were
2: waiting to
0: meet the right one. They're all no. They were all good people. They're all good navigators. What I had to do was actually slow down for James. Right. And he asked me to be he says, Look at Andrew, I want you to try and be fifth. Fifth today. And I had to go through that process of going slow until he allowed me to go faster. Okay. So it was I think three rallies before he would allow me to go flat out.
1: And was that a respect thing?
0: That was him saying you're gonna do it my way or yeah. we're not doing it at all and I had to agree with him to it. Okay.
1: Which and is huge because obviously he can trust you. Once you do what he says, he can trust you to drive whatever
0: way you want to then. I remember him saying to me, Andrew, no, I don't I don't want you being second today or first. I want you to be third. <laughs> right. So I had to go through that torture with him yeah. to uh to First of all, get his respect in then
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Let him have time to understand how I operate. And
1: the other thing, too, Andre, I would imagine that that actually did help you tone in the skill of actually pulling back the driver. Correct. Because that's a difficult thing to do. We talk about it all the time when guys are leading rallies um, and they kind of have to stay safe, but it's actually one of the kind of most dangerous things you can do mentally because you have to be on it in order to sort of be that focused and safe on the stages like it's harder it's harder to actually um,
0: drive slow well but it's a to, skill
1: that you must have
0: you have to learn to pace yourself yes And James and I probably perfected that over the years yeah were the likes of the Donegal rally for example we would we'd split it down into different phases mm-hmm. and the Friday phase would be We'd we'll see what the pace is like. In other words, we'd, we'd, be, we'd try and be in the top four or five. If we were leading on Friday, well, then we had to keep going.
1: Yeah.
0: If we weren't leading, we had to give chase the following day. Mm-hmm. And Saturday would be the, the day that I would start chasing. Or yeah. hunting, as we talk about. Hunt the opposition down. Hunt
2: is probably a better word,
0: yeah. And yeah, it was. It was an art in itself to be able to pace yourself.
1: Yes, it's a huge discipline, really. A different level of discipline, because we all know what we're capable of. But to be able to hold yourself back, you know a little bit, is actually
0: a very difficult thing
1: to do. So a very very strategic pairing by the sounds of it.
0: It was amazing, yes. It was an amazing pairing for both of us. And then the cars and the technology that we had was at another level as well. We were very fortunate to have the best cars for pro drive yeah. over the years um, right up until we say 96 98 yeah we had the toyota silica but before that i had marked two escorts and yeah. six r4 metros and all of that and you know history tells you i had some good days and some bad days with those cars as well
1: And, you know, one of the things I've kind of realized over the last couple of years, and even, you know, on podcasts that I've been listening to recently, like, one of the things that has kind of stood out to me the most recently is how it's the darker days, the tougher moments, the, the, the moments that you aren't so delighted about. That's actually where a lot of the learning is. That's where a lot of the growth is. And, you know... One of the things, I suppose, Colin McRae always talked about was going past the limit to find the limit. You know, going past it will normally be not an easy thing to, to deal with. Um, we'll go on around to the left here, Andrew, and okay. go to... We start Atlantic Drive, I think, from the church side. So,
2: okay.
1: Um, but yeah, you know, the, your, your learning is in the darker up again that's actually where the strength comes from and you can't figure out where the limit is until you pass it but in passing it you've got dark moments that you kind of need to take
0: well the more you practice the better you get yeah there's that old saying that's true so the more I practiced I think the better I got and then you got to a point where this is my pace this is our pace and this is what we want to achieve every time we come out and it's knowing where that level is yes. and being able to manage it so I would have always tried to be around 95% of the 100% Yeah. because if you're 100% you're on the edge Yeah. so you just need to be three or four or five percent below the 100% line and stay there yeah. for as long as you can because that's where you're going to do the least damage yes exactly right it's beautiful.
1: And again, Andrew, we're just this is this is the beauty of Donegal, really, isn't it? You know, we're just we're looking at these these roads ahead and these stages ahead, and we're thinking, right, we love driving these roads, but also, as I mentioned earlier, you're just surrounded by beauty at all times in Donegal. Yeah.
0: So this this is the start of the stage here. Yeah.
1: And just moving off from here is it's just pure magic as we're pulling oh. through the gears, trying to get up to speed.
0: Fantastic.
1: And again, there's just that beautiful abreast under it
0: Look how beautiful it is. I know.
1: And that's the thing, like during during the rally you're not supposed to notice it, but I mean look at that. Yeah.
0: I've never really looked at it much.
1: Oh. Uh, I to be fair, I would drive these roads, not regularly, but like over the it's last twenty years, I've, I've crest This crest
0: here. here catches it a lot of people out. Through that hedge. But
1: the, Everything about it, like it's just, even the quaint wee houses around here, like it's just pure magic. I have to say, I think this is one of my favorite stages, Andrew. I love
0: this stage. Yeah,
1: very technical, but it is, it's brilliant.
0: When the, the boys in the R5 cars, are they're so nimble through here. Mm.
1: The R5 cars are probably
0: just perfectly built for this ticket. Perf- perfect yeah. for the Atlantic drive. Andrew, the wee how, how, um, what? The
1: wee magpie on the road there. Did you salute it? I did. Would you have a superstition with magpies? Absolutely. Do you? Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant.
0: Did you notice me?
1: I did, surely. And <laughs> do you know how I notice it? <laughs> well, my whole family does it as well, but I actually am the opposite with magpies. I. Right. I, they're my good luck charm. Right. So okay. if I see one, I'm fine with it. But the more I see, the more luck I'm going to have.
2: Right, okay. And I had
1: to turn that on its head because if I ever saw a single magpie, it nearly would have upset me for the day. Okay. <laughs> this loot didn't work. So it's one of those wee superstitions that I've always had as well. And this corner here now has been yeah. no, we're
2: better.
1: magic for me. Just the detail of your
0: driving here is just unbelievable, isn't it? It's an amazing bit of road. We need to get this jeep through it.
1: The jeep wouldn't be well for roads like this, Andrew. There's a few wee hedges that are getting yeah.
0: Once we get once out. we get through this bit, it, it's it's pretty okay. Rocks sitting everywhere. We able to take you out. I take a go left here.
2: Mhm.
0: Sometimes to go right. I think
1: I've only ever done it left. Yeah. The, the road had just been retired or something, wasn't yeah. that it, Andrew? Because I think, from memory, I think on the recce, it hadn't been retired.
2: Yeah.
1: And then, it's just just in the distance now, there was just this one patch of shiny tar. What? And we had to do the hairpin right. And whatever grip we had along here, it was just, just gone straight into the wall.
0: Well, I nearly threw the rally away on the last stage. I went straight on. Yeah. But managed not to drop the wheels over the edge. Yes. I put it in reverse, and then I actually drove the rest of the stage at a slower pace, Mm -hmm. because I knew the guy behind me was going to have to pass me.
1: Yeah. To win the rally. So you had that uh, caution move, Yes that made you feel a wee bit more
0: secure in it. Like I come up here, I come round the corner, and then I hit the throttle tr- again. And yeah, that even was, though
1: we're turning right, yeah. you saw. And that wall is probably what saved it.
0: That's where I slid in there.
1: Yeah, that's, that was where I slid in. And I was that stunned, Andrew, that I nearly forgot to put it into reverse. I think Joe had to tell me to actually move because I just was that shook that I uh-huh. hit the car at the last stage. And then you do a couple of rallies and you realise actually hit the car every five minutes is kind of nearly
0: Look how impressive this stage is. Unbelievable. Buzzing.
1: Parts of the stage are so, so impressive, aren't they? But it's just so flowing, Andrew.
0: This is a very fast stage, believe
1: me. Yeah.
0: This is what is all about. Yeah,
1: and there's constant work. You never take a rest in here. Yeah.
0: There's no let up on this one. No. So this is one of the places where I crashed one time. Right. How or where or... So this long through here and I remember hitting the dip. And here I was trying to straighten the corners up. Uh-huh. There and I went straight off there. Right. And finished All in that. there. And I got two punctures and I remembered going up this lane here uh-huh. and there was no one there and there was a tractor, so I borrowed the tractor.
1: Oh, well, this is the famous tractor. This is the moment. tractor. Okay, yeah.
0: I borrowed the tractor, I jump started with a screwdriver and came down and into the field, pulled the rally car out and finished the rally.
1: Brilliant. Did you leave the tractor back?
0: I left the tractor sitting in the field running. I was in trouble over that.
1: (laughs) Because (laughs) I would say they wouldn't have minded to borrow the tractor. (laughs) You needed to get
0: out of there, I needed to finish the rally and there's a guy up here with a video camera and all I could hear him shout was, he's (laughs) stealing the tractor.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Stealing the tractor. And how did you rectify it
0: after getting I, I had away. to go back out and apologise to the lady because I drove over her clothesline as well. <laughs> did a right royal mess of her, of her line.
2: I'm sure she's I'm not pulling me. in here because there's a rock in there. Okay. There we go.
1: The benefits of knowing...
0: Knowing the, road. the roads.
1: Take the back of your hand, Andrew.
0: I've my world rally car here. There's no reason why we couldn't do the call International Rally again.
1: Is it something that is niggling at you, Andrew?
0: It's, it's niggling at me right now.
1: Yes. And that's probably because
0: I, you're on stage. This. what? That's probably because you're on the stage. Because it? I'm on the stage? Yes.
1: But does it niggle at you in general?
0: Not really. No. No. I'm happy with my loss. Uh huh.
1: But if it's sitting there, do you think you will take it back out at some point,
0: I think I will, yes. Have you, back, you... Yeah. In fact, you know? I think I will, yes.
1: And tell us, do you know what event
0: or what kind of events or what... We were talking event? about doing the you know, Race of Champions.
1: Oh, brilliant, yeah, yeah.
0: Um, that should be the next appearing. Okay. Appearance of the rally car. hmm Amazing. There's McClatchy's corner.
2: McClatchy shed is right.
0: The famous McClatchy. A lot of people have hit that. A wall. lot of
1: people have gone and broken those doors straight through. And I mean, again, Andrew, like such
0: a phenomenal view.
1: A beautiful part of my God.
0: It is absolutely beautiful. It's stunning.
1: What's funny about that shed is. I feel like anybody that knows anything about the Donegal or Atlantic Drive specifically knows that shed, don't they? They know it's the most famous
0: shed in Donegal.
1: <laughs>
0: a lot of people have visited it over the years.
1: And then I always feel like this part of the stage, Andrew, is so different
0: to the beginning. It's very, very abrasive. This yeah. section of road, and this
1: almost feels like a, a coastal sort of cliff road in somewhere,
0: you know.
1: Mainland Europe,
2: like this is incredible. Absolutely, We'll pull in there. Andrew, we're at the start of Nogala. Yes. And like,
1: when you look up, it is just so,
0: so I, incredible. I love this it? stage. James can't be down. I'm just complete goading. smile on my face," he said, oh. ear to ear.
1: And is it memories flooding back now, Andrew, or is it pure joy at this being able pure to ride again today?
0: The, the, the speed that you go up here at. Unfortunately, one of the days I came up here to Will Hurst Bend, uh-huh. just round the corner. Yes, you can see it straight ahead, and it was. I was doing my usual right hand, right side.
2: Yeah.
0: And put my foot on the brake, and the car just went off. I just it took its own notion and went straight in there at 129 mile an hour. Mad. <laughs> 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 I couldn't do a thing about it. And
1: you're laughing now. Did you laugh at the
0: time, or were you feeling? It? Well, I was laughing because I didn't hit anything. I yeah. Didn't damage the car. I just went off the road.
1: And, you, and it's a nightmare to try and get it out of here yeah. like that. And I
0: just. I remember walking back down the stage, going, and the people were all applauding me. God. You know, <laughs> well, well done. Like, what? Well done. I crashed, or well done for the speed I <laughs> entered the corner at. Or they were giving me the big oh. And I, so I just clapped them back and said, "Well, thank you, thank you for being here." That's what I would say. But like, without support, without supporters. There's no rally, is there? No, really?
1: and it's that's half the crack, really. Yeah. Like you know, yeah. is the excitement that isn't everybody's like yeah. laughter whenever whatever so, like, you know, spins or whatever.
0: at that's first stage. My goodness, right side, left 18 Titans into middle, right five over crest. Yo, mid air
1: happiest you've ever been. on Look at
0: awesome this. Thrilled. How crazy is this?
1: This is crazy. Yeah. Like when you sit like, in a roll car and actually
0: look at this, this is yeah. mental. But he wants, and here, I told you earlier, I crashed twice on the stage. Yes. And Brad Murphy and I were coming down around here and we hit water just coming up this crest here uh-huh. and I slid wide just here. Yeah. I'm holding on and I take 14 concrete posts out just there. Oh. A very funny thing happened. We were there, stuck, going nowhere, three wheels off the car. We get out anyway and there was, a, there was a wheel lying across here. And I picked it up and I, I just threw it. And didn't it roll and roll and roll? And it went over the cliff edge? And disappeared. I'm going, well, I wasn't expecting that to happen, but it did anyway. Half an hour later, 45 minutes later, I could see a a gentleman coming walking up around the side of the cliff. Uh It probably took him a half an hour to get up to us. He says, you didn't happen to lose a wheel, did you? I said, "We well, we lost three wheels. But uh, I threw one out of the road and it it rolled and it went over over the cliff edge. He says, yes, I was fishing at the bottom of the cliff in a boat and it near killed me. Oh, um, and he says it bounced three times and then disappeared. and we we never knew he was there. like that's like that's a that's a thousand feet down there.
1: And I mean, all I'm thinking of here, Andrew, is like, Okay, there's a lot of rushes and stuff here on the left-hand side and weeds and things like that. There's a
0: lot of concrete posts there, believe you me. Well, there was, I took 14 of them (laughs) out.
1: But there's a drop there, like that is shocking. But again, ridiculously enough, it's not something we think about when we're driving.
0: Keep an eye on the road, that's it. That's all you have to do. Your
2: ability
1: to be able to just move on, Andrew, and forget.
0: Look at this here. The car would always go light across that crest. Uh-huh. And you had to have your line perfectly, perfectly correct. Yeah, Or your... Car. It's a long way down.
1: A long way down. All right, like when you sit here as a passenger, um, or in a road car at all, and you actually look at
0: it, it's
1: crazy. But again, typical Donegal, It is so stunning off here, isn't it, Andrew?
0: We'll have to stop here. Look at that for a view. Isn't that just the business?
1: Isn't it magic?
0: And yet we will drive these roads at 120, 130 mile an hour. I know. Okay. Now, can you imagine taking that? Up- bales in there this year Uh,
1: you can actually yeah so I'm not sure if that'll be visible on the GoPro but you can actually see the remains of the markings where the bales were this year which is mad because that's very stereotypical of a a coast road in Donegal you want to have bale marks
0: I can remember coming around these corners just the car just sliding the one way around and then
1: this beautiful beautiful sheep. sheep in the middle of the road but again, stereotypical to like all
0: isn't are on the rev limiter coming down here the whole way.
1: Yeah.
0: And all you have to do is stay in the middle of the road. So left one, Titans over crest. Yeah, there
1: we go. It's magic that you can remember it, uh, remember your own looks here too, Andrew. Yeah. And then there's the few bales here as well. And I remember an awful lot going on down around to the left on this yes. road. You can cut across here, obviously. This yeah, the, the, the you up stage to the goes church. that
0: way sometimes. Yeah. But I prefer it this and way. this
1: way, yeah. I love it this way now. I think this way is incredible. So
0: they used to take you in this little road here. you here went in 2006, we were brought in this way. Uh huh.
1: All up to the right, here. you
0: go, right here. And then you go left.
1: And again
0: that is to slow us down. What? That's
1: to slow us down. Because the average speed on this stage is insane. Like you you have already mentioned that this you reckon this is the fastest stage scored. The,
0: the year I had the slicks on, I came round this corner here. And come up to this next one. And I nearly left it too late, too much sliding. It's a 500 foot drop mm. over there.
2: Yeah.
1: Matthew Wilson went down there. Do you remember just that? Just there? Yeah, yeah. We were actually standing, myself, Dad, and Jean-Megan were standing in the field across the road there. Were you? Yeah. I'll never forget it. It was mental. Because it is just the last thing you were expecting to happen there, but it obviously is. It's one of those corners like where if you forget it, you know, if you forget or you're not listening and you have a moment on it, you know what it is, it tightens a lot more than you
0: think, does I never realised it. Realized it such a drop-on, play I looked oh, at
1: it one day. Andrew, one of the, I think one of the amazing things um, about your personality is that you can close the door on the thing when it's done. You know, uh, you were just speaking about how when the accident is done, you step out of the car and you forget about it, you move on. And that just has to be a really sort of helpful when it comes to um, just general tough moments in life at all, you know, take the lessons learn them, be grateful for, you know surviving it and the wisdom you have on the other side and just move on but coming out of accidents like on Well Harris Bend, that has to just be such a nice quality to have in your personality whenever you can just move on that could drive somebody else. Dependent for weeks or months or years maybe.
0: I'd be thinking it's the next race.
1: Yeah, forget about this one, let's move forward. There's nothing you can do about this one. And would that be, would it be fair to say that that's a motto of yours in life or do you have a favourite motto?
0: Yeah, that is probably it. Can't do anything about it. Move on. Brilliant.
1: Just keep moving forward. That's all you can do. Andrew, this has been absolutely fantastic. Um, I knew this would be a very special episode anyway because you're such an honest. Um, person in general but you're a character as well Like you know you love a bit of crack so i always knew that the the conversation and the stories would be excellent but to be able to sit in the car with you and and do these stages has just been absolutely magic and I, i have a feeling that everybody that watches or listens will be feel like they're here with us you know um and it's such a treat so i just want to thank you so so much for being here with us today and for giving us your time
0: well you know what it's a pleasure i'm on holiday anyway and what better way to spend the day with you having a chat and reminiscing about my life excellent thank you Andrea. it's been brilliant thank you so much Tony. it's been amazing thank you so much
1: pleasure